Take your Bible over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're looking, continuing in our Family 101 series this morning, Gospel-Centered Parenting. What does it mean to proclaim the good news of the gospel in your own household, all right? When you think about the, the role of the church, the church comes alongside the, the number one institution that God has created, and that is the family. Last Sunday when we gave the church some time to, as many of you were traveling, you can tell this morning tons of people are still traveling. Uh, and we we want to recognize the family is the first thing that God prioritizes, and and that family is so important, and, and what God has blessed you with, children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a gift, and the fruit of the room is his reward, the word of God says. But as we look at it, the, the church is not there to raise our kids. They're there to assist mom and dad, or, or mom, or, or just dad, or grandparents, in helping raise and rear their children and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're to come alongside of you and to help hold you up and, and encourage you and be that Aaron and her of the Old Testament that lifts up your arms and, and keeps you standing strong and encouraging and discipling and, and, and assisting in the process. But I'll tell you, it's the greatest joy as a pastor uh, to see you lead your child to faith in Jesus Christ. I love leading kids to Christ. I love leading adults to Christ. Teenagers are my passion. I've done that for years. I love seeing teens when the light bulb comes on and they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm thinking they have their entire life to live for Jesus Christ. What a privilege and honor it is to, to minister to people. But I think it's even greater when we can encourage you and see you come, uh, come and lead your child to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's an exciting thing to be a part of, uh, of a church like that. I want to propose that parenting is not only hard work, it's heart work. In other words, it's because of parents, we pass along the faith that we possess to our children. And we looked at this passage back in May, but we're going to dig in a little bit deeper in, in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning, because I believe that God has some things he wants us to unpack that will encourage us as we continue on this journey. Uh, let me also say a, a few things about parenting. If you're married this morning and you don't have kids, or maybe your kids are grown and out of the home, you're still a family this morning. All right? If you are a, a single parent, you're still a family this morning. If, if you are a blended family, uh, you are a beautiful family this morning. God has is, is, is blessed you and, and graciously uh, saw. If you're single and don't have any kids, you are, are beautiful in the sight of God. And, you know, Paul even said he, he was thankful that he was single because he was able to be set apart for the work of the ministry and have no other distractions. And um, adoptive families are, are beautiful families. One of the clearest pictures of the gospel and of salvation is through adoption. And I love the, the, the stories of adoption. Um, children are intended 
to be a blessing from God, not a burden to bear. And some of you say, you didn't have to get those kids ready for church this morning. I mean, I, I'm not sure how much of a blessing that was this morning. And trying to get everybody in the car, John Chris has a video, and, and they're kind of mimicking what it's like for a family of four to make it to church on Sunday morning. And the whole way to church, I mean, you know, husband and wife are arguing, and kids are fighting and kicking each other and kicking the back of the seats, and they're just trying to get to church and, you know, just hush your mouth and don't say anything and after church you can do whatever you want to do it's just that that sense of, of crazy sometimes that can Sunday morning might ensue but the reality is this morning is whatever God has given us a priority and he's given us a, a responsibility as parents children are a heritage of the Lord the fruit of the womb is his reward and folks even though at times it may not feel like a reward that is how God views it and views our responsibility in the parenting process. Parents must aim to raise children to be lifelong disciples. Your goal is not just to get your kids across the finish line of 18, all right? It's, it's a process that as long as you have breath in your body, you're still parenting your kids, am I right? You guys have two uh, adult children and, uh, and a teenager, and it's never done. Uh, I'm learning uh, through the various stages and phases that we're in in our family, even though my, my kids are not taller than me, and I'm, I'm still thankful for that, although my, my son is dying to be taller than me. I was like, you might get taller than me, but you still have to listen. But, you know, I want him to get taller. I've always felt like I was a, a little short on the, the short spectrum, but uh, he always, he wants to get taller. But my daughter's in, in college, and you know, she's not going to always do everything and cross all of her T's and dot all of her I's exactly like me. And, and, but the parenting process isn't over. I'm still praying. I'm still offering advice when they listen. I'm still trying to encourage, uh, correct from, a, from afar, and, then, and at the same time, love and pray and ask God to s surround them with the right people. I am convinced God knows exactly where our kids are. So whether they're sitting in a Christian school, a public school, a home school, a charter school, wherever that, in a college, a public university, a private school, wherever, God knows where they're at and he can surround them with people of influence who can point them towards a right relationship. So there's moments when they're not listening to mom and dad. I pray that they get a boss who is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and that boss will point them toward a relationship with Christ. I pray that they get a, a roommate at, at college and that roommate has a desire to follow Jesus. I pray that God gives them a spouse that will point them towards the Savior and that can move forward in, in the same direction with Christ. God has a plan, but there's no fail-safe formula for parenting success. George Barna, who does a lot of religious research on church life, he reports that only one in five parents of young children believe they're doing a good job training their children morally and spiritually. One in five. And we're not doing a raise of hands this morning, but the reality is, before we jump into our text this morning, I want to I say something too, because maybe there are people here today that have prodigal children and I want to say that my goal today is not to pile more on top of anybody or make anyone feel guilty or to be, you know, to not take it seriously because those are difficult situations and it breaks your heart. Our kids are going to, they have a will that are separate from our own and, 
And, and, but God gives grace in these moments of grief and times of grieving his parents. Don't lose hope. God is still very much in control. Keep praying and, and, and trust God. He's not finished with our kids. Aren't you thankful for that? Just like he's not finished with you and me. Guys, he's got a plan. And in his book, Think Orange, Reggie Joyner lists out five basic assumptions which are foundational to the faith development of families. And he lists these. I'll put them on the screen. He says, nothing is more important than someone's relationship with God. Now think about that for just a moment. Nothing is more important than your relationship with God. No one has more potential to influence a child's relationship with God than a parent. Think about that. You have the greatest level of influence over your kids than anyone else. And some of you are like, I don't feel like that today. Well, there are moments like that we don't feel like it. But hopefully, at some point down the road, God will continue to allow us to influence them in a positive direction. Uh, no one has more potential to influence the parent than the church. That's why it's so important for the, the parents to come to church, not just to drop their kids off, but that they attend church. The church's potential to influence a child dramatically increases when it partners with a parent. All the years of working with teenagers, I would have regular meetings with parents. Why? Not to beat you up and make you feel like a bad parent, but to come alongside of you and encourage you and say, you know what? We're in this journey together. We want to encourage you. We want to equip you. We want to help you in the process of teaching and training your children. But the parent's potential to influence a child dramatically increases when the parent partners with the church. What a awesome responsibility. A few, a few weeks ago, we looked at the percentages of kids who stay in church when mom and dad both attend church and go to church regularly and take them to church. What it's like when just mom goes to church. What it's like when none of the parents go to church. What it's like when just dad goes to church. But folks, when you, mom and dad can both be involved in church, it makes such an impact in the transferring of our faith to our kids. So let's look at the scene here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The people of God have been spinning their wheels in the wilderness for not five years. Not 10 years, not 30 years, but 40 years. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm 46 and I'm sitting here thinking, 40 years of just sitting there going absolutely nowhere. I mean, there's got to be something about that that's, that, I mean, literally is driving you crazy. But they're, now they're on the verge of finally entering the promised land. The disobedient generation that doesn't get to go into the promised land has now passed off the scene. And, and now there's the next generation is getting ready to enter the promised land. Moses was unable to go because of his own disobedience, if you know the backstory. But he wanted to make sure parents knew their responsibility as parents as, in leading their children. Notice that Moses did not um, have... He did not have all kinds of uh, um, breakout sessions with the children of Israel on farming and agriculture and, uh, uh, you know, uh, building uh, uh, chariots and, and all of these things. He didn't have all of these uh, teaching sessions on braiding women's hair or making clothes. None of that. He, he didn't focus on that. What he did was he focused 
on, on teaching people, their first and foremost role was the faith formation of their children. God's people were about to enter a pagan land, a, a land that did not believe in God, did not believe in the one true God. In fact, there's over 40 different people groups and religions in that era, in that, ta- that period of time. And his focus was on the family. He says, and folks, if you, if you think of where we're at today as a, as a nation and, and as, as a people and, and on the world scene, there's never been more things to distract our kids than there is in 2021. I mean, if you want to know what the latest and craziest things are that are going on, you don't even need to go online. Just ask your kids. I mean, have you ever been somewhere and, and all of a sudden your kids start dancing or singing a song and you're like, how did you hear that? I mean, I, we were on a cruise a few years ago and I was like, where did they learn these dance moves? I mean, they certainly didn't get them from me. I mean, obviously it was their mother. But I'm, I mean, I'm saying, you listen, and you're like, where did this stuff come from? I mean, you're like, how have they heard this? And they know the, all the, any movie that comes out, uh, they know who all the YouTubers are. They know who all, all of these people are. And you're sitting there scratching your mind going, where in the world ha- has time gone? Where have we come as a people? And our parental job description has some responsibilities outlined here in our text in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We see, first of all, we are, as, as adults, are to be learning the scriptures. The first task that we're called to do is to learn God's word and for ourselves. Verse 1 of, of Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land of which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be what, church? Long. Moses wanted them to understand the importance of the command. Folks, when we teach our kids to love God and have a relationship with God, He's desiring that we have long life, that we have, and and it's tied to the Ten Commandments of honoring and obeying our parents, and and, and there's a a promise of long life with that. Moses knew he needed to teach because God commanded him to do so. The people needed to heed and learn the Word of God. So the word teach has the idea of training in order to be able to do something. Part of trusting God is, and taking him seriously, we have to know what his word says. You and I have to open the word of God. It's not a Sunday morning only thing. You come to church, pastor opens the word, preaches. Yes, that's important. But folks, it's also to be an encouragement to you to dig into the word of God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on a Thursday when you're like, or Wednesday's a hump day. Thursday, you're like, I've got to get through this week and make it to Friday and, and to the weekend. And folks, if you're hanging on just for a Sunday morning sermon or a little devotion on the radio on your way to work, folks, you're going to be severely deficient and anemic in your spiritual walk. He's saying it's vital that we learn it for ourselves. We apply the Word of God to ourselves. If you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it requires work on your part. People say, well, pastor, I got saved. I just don't feel saved. That's 
not God's fault. He's desiring a personal, intimate fellowship and relationship. But folks, it's a two-way street. Just like a husband and wife, it requires both of you to die to self daily and, and, and pursue the other person and, and seek out to have that intimate relationship. And he's saying, the Bible says, he says we are to grow in our relationship with God and we can't do that apart from learning God's word. Mom and dad is vital. And I can't think of a time when there's more resources available Bible apps, Bible devotionals, online devotionals, they'll dump them right into, you can get a text every day, you can get a, an email every day, you can get a phone, uh, a push update on your phone. It gives us so many opportunities to dig into the Word of God and grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. But not only to learn, he says we are also to live it in verse 3. He says it's not enough to just learn the Word of God. We are commanded to live it out accordingly. And verse 3, he says, Hear therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, and a land flowing with milk and honey. They're getting ready to enter the promised land, folks. I mean, it's unlike anything they had experienced as they were wandering around in the wilderness and God is providing manna and Oh, you can imagine all of the crazy things that they were seeing and witnessing in the wilderness living. But folks, he says, this is the beginning. He says, here, oh, he says, it's time to live for God. He says, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the God of your fathers has promised. He's saying, God has so much in store for you if you'll just live out your faith. Live out your relationship with Jesus Christ. We must be careful to obey by hearing and heeding the word of God. Our kids are looking to see, do mom and dad actually live what they say they believe? I don't know about you, but you go through a, a trial, your kids are watching. Are mom and dad looking to God or are they looking at their checkbook? Are they trying to figure out a way to make it happen? Or are they searching the scriptures for God to lead them and guide them and praying and talking to God and talking to other friends that are going to encourage them? And Are they seeking counsel from godly people? Are they seeking to glorify God with their lives? It's not enough to just know for information. It must lead to a personal transformation of our lives. Blessing is leaked. To our obedience. So he's saying we've got to live it out. But he says we're also to love God. And in verses 4 he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's the beginning of the Jewish Shema. It literally means here. He says, or we might say, listen up. In other words, he's saying what he's talking to the, the, the children of Israel. He says, he says, listen intelligently. Listen attentively. Obey the words of God, because the Shema is a, the declaration of their faith, a, a pledge of allegiance to the Almighty. And it was something that they would rise up and they would say as they oh, woke up in the early morning hours, they, they would praise to God. They, when they were going to bed at night, it was the first prayer that a Jewish child would be taught to pray. It was also the last thing a Jew would pray prior to dying. It was something that it affirmed their faith in God. And I'll tell you, a couple years ago in traveling over to Israel, I remember sitting there 
outside of a Jewish synagogue and watching hundreds of men and, and boys coming and praying. And, and folks, they had prayer, books of prayers and they were just reading them. Uh, and, and it was just, it was overwhelming to, to see how devout and devoted to their, their prayer life and, and their faith. And folks, to believe that they don't even believe in the Messiah, that Jesus was the Messiah, they're still looking for that. And, and all along, Jesus has come and, and has, has died on the cross and, and made possible a relationship with God. And, and yet they missed it in all of that. But folks, I was, I was compelled to think, what would it be like for our kids to see us living out our faith in such a fashion, loving God in such an intimate way? Verse 5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. He's quoting Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Our love is to be wholehearted. It's to pervade every aspect of our life. God wants our exclusive devotion. He wants us to love him and worship him intimately. I'm, I'm struck by these truths from God's word. Love is more than just a feeling. It's not just something we wake up one day and say, well, I feel like I, I guess I'll love God. It, it's more than that. Love it, it's a command and it's a privilege. And we must make a, a conscious decision to choose to love God, to choose to follow God, and it's a decision on our part. Love is principally a verb or action verb, not primarily an emotion. You see, sometimes I will counsel couples that are going through difficult times and say, I just don't love him anymore. It could be a mutual thing. <laughs> I mean, you think about it. I mean, it's not like one day we just wake up and decide that. It's a decision on our part. It's not an emotion, but it's something on our part we choose. I'm choosing to follow Christ and put him first in my life. So love is more than a feeling. Love is fleshed out in relationship. When people tell me, well, you know, when I pray to prayer and I just don't feel anything. Well, it's not about a feeling. It's about a relationship with God, folks, that's built over time that's cultivated through an intimate walk with God. And folks, if you're not spending time in his word and, and learning it and learning to live it, learning to love God, folks, you're not going to feel saved. The relationship part requires us to dive into that relationship with God and, and to seek after him, to trust him, to have faith in him. And he says, the, the phrase is, your God. It leads to the question this morning, is he our God? Is he our God? When we talk about your kids, do they believe in God? I'm not saying, oh yeah, that's what our church teaches, what our church believes. Do they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You see what happens is, as our kids are coming to that age of accountability, they start to understand we have to lead them to love God to know God, to have a relationship. If you have a, a, a teenager or a fourth or fifth grader in your house, more than likely they're at that age. They, they are understanding right from wrong. They know, somebody say, I've got some four-year-olds, right? I've known kids have got, I got saved at five years old. But they've got to get to that point. They understand that they're a sinner and they're in need of a savior. But folks, have those conversations with your kids. 
It's vital that we teach them how to love God, how to have a personal relationship. Love is to be comprehensive. Notice the word all. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. It's a wholehearted commitment to Christ. So by listing the heart, the soul, and, and might, he doesn't leave any area out in that love relationship with God. In other words, I'm giving God everything. I'm devoted fully to following Jesus Christ with my heart, my soul, and my might. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, we're called to an everlasting preoccupation with God. We're to love him ahead of everyone and everything else with every faculty of our being. God's limitless love for us should drive us out any lukewarm love that we may have for him. And folks, I'm afraid over the last year, year and a half, the church at large has grown so callous and cold and lukewarm towards the things of God that we wouldn't even know God if he knocked us upside the head with a two by four. And you say, what are you talking about? We've become so crazy, distracted by the world around us that we are missing out on what God wants to accomplish in our lives today. Because I'm afraid we're going to look back on 2020, 2021, and it's just kind of a blur that we just call COVID. But the reality is, is we will stand and give an account for how we are living our lives today. I want to be faithful right now as a father. I want to be faithful as a husband. I want to be faithful as a dad, as a parent. I want to be faithful as a pastor. I want to be faithful as a church member, as a citizen of our city, of our, of our country. I want to be faithful steward of all that God has blessed me with and called me to be. In his book, Raising Kids to Love Jesus, Gary Oliver makes a provocative statement he says, our primary call isn't to be good parents. And some of you are like, thank God. That's not our primary call. He says, our primary call is to model a vibrant and vital love relationship with the living God. You know what I hear people say all the time? Well, Pastor, I didn't have a good example growing up. My parents didn't model it. You know what? When you stand before God, they're hitting their pointing fingers back and say, well, you know what? My... My, my, they didn't teach me. No. What are you doing? Can you read? Can you talk? Can you pray? Can you communicate? Can, can you attend church? Can you serve? Can you give? Can you, can you do the... God has commanded us as a follower of Jesus. I'm thankful to be in a family that have generations of people who loved God and had a personal relationship with God, but that's not everyone's story. And I, and I hate that for people who didn't have that. But folks, the reality is, is we have an opportunity today to choose to love God above all else and place him first in our lives. Verse six is these words that I command you today will be on your heart. The people knew God's commands were engraved on tablets of stone. But what Moses wanted them to understand is it's got to take residence in our hearts. Do you understand that this morning, church? God wants it to take residence in our hearts. He wants us to see the importance of an intimate fellowship and relationship with God. So, fellow parents, God must be all important to us if we ever think it's going to be all important to our kids or one day to our grandkids. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, 
He who, who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Let that sink in for just a moment. Because our kids are watching how we are navigating through 2021. They're watching or if we're truly trusting in God or if we're living in fear, or if we're living in, in failure and living in the past. Folks, some of us need to get past our past and ask forgiveness and move past it and allow the Holy Spirit to give us victory in, in, in this life and, and help us to live for God and for His glory. It says also we're supposed to lead. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, he says there's a responsibility to lead. And after learning, living, and loving, we're in the right spot to lead our kids in a relationship with God. We've got to teach them relational, or intentionally rather. We see in the first part of verse 7, he says, teach them diligently to your children. In other words, you're taking the responsibility seriously of saying, I'm going to personally see to it that my kids understand who God is and how to have a relationship. Teach them to diligently means to sharpen them, to teach incisively. It's the idea of going over and over to the knife is razor sharp. And, and it's, it's a process daily as we go throughout our day. We're taking every opportunity as we sit at the table, as we rise up, as we get up, as we go to bed, as we're riding in the car. We're teaching them about how to know God and how to hear Him speak. Teach or talk truth relationally. The last part of verse 7, he says, So talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk, by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Notice this is more than just getting your kids up and bringing them to church on Sunday. He says, mom and dad, all throughout the week, the conversations, and can I just say, I'm a pastor, the last thing my kids need at home is a preacher in their face, shaking his finger, saying, you need to not do this. That's the last thing they need. What they need is someone to lead them, to love them, to instruct them, and, and listen to them, have a conversation with them, teach them how to read God's word and understand it and, and comprehend it for themselves. Teach them what the relationship looks like and, and, and how it flushes out in, in daily living. So he says, teach them as you go about your life, breakfast time, bedtime, lunchtime. What was in, instinctive in Hebrew homes must become intentional in families today. Reggie Joyner said this. He says, the principle of rhythm is transferable in every culture throughout all time. He says, generally speaking, all people groups get up with the sun, move around during the day, share meals, and sleep throughout the night. He says, it's important for parents to cooperate with the way life naturally happens. He gives some examples, and I'll put them on the screen, of different times throughout the day and, and ways that you could use this. Maybe you just want a snapshot of it. Meal time. What about having formal discussions around the dinner table? We prioritize dinner at our house, or maybe you call it supper, but we prioritize as much as possible. We try to have all of our family, uh, everybody's feet under our table at dinner time. It didn't always happen. Sometimes it's in the minivan with kids flying through, uh, jumping out of the, you know, going to uh, practice or gymnastics or football or whatever. But you know, we do the best that we can, but we use those opportunities to have conversations 
establish values. We talk about what they learned at school. You know what? When it disagrees with our values, we clear that up at the dinner table. You said, you don't. Yes, we do. And folks, it's not Wake County Public Schools' job to teach my kids how to be successful in life. It's my job. It's not Wake Christian or Hilltop's job or Grace Christian's job to teach your kids how to have a relationship with God. Mom and Dad, that's your job. And so we've got to do our part. So whenever it differs from our way, our way of thinking, our relationship, our belief system, we have to correct that. Because you know what? My kids are being taught things that I don't believe. You say, well, put them in a different school. It doesn't matter what school you're at. You're going to find something you disagree with. You're, I went to a, a Christian school that said there's no church that's perfect. Absolutely, because if you find one, don't join it, you'll ruin it. I mean, the reality is, is we're all flawed. We're all human. But folks, we have to make those corrections. And, and when a teacher is teaching something contrary to God's Word and, and how we believe as followers of Jesus Christ, we correct that. Now, and we teach them to be respectful. There, my daughter has had to write papers in college and she has to write the answer that they want. But then at the bottom, she gives a rebuttal and says, However, I don't believe this because I believe that Jesus dies and frees me from the bondage of all of that. And I don't have to be a victim or enslaved to all of that. And folks, what happens is it gives us an opportunity to be a witness. Don't do it with a pious, high and mighty spirit, but do it with humility and a love of God and a relationship with God that teaches them to transmit those values to our kids. Driving time. Some of you have uh, kids and you're getting to different practices. You, if you have a chance to drive with just your son or just your daughter, you take and involve them ear, ear pods. I mean, anybody hate those things in your ear, earbuds? I mean, take those dang things out of your ears. I mean, it drives me crazy at times, and I'm, like, I'm trying to have a conversation, and no one's listening. Everyone's plugged in to music or, or TikTok, and, and I'm like, turn those things off, and let's have a conversation. Let's talk about life. Interpret life. Interpret what they're struggling with, what the relationships that they're having at school. Bedtime is more for intimate conversations, building intimacy, praying with them, encouraging them. Morning time, encouraging words, instill purpose. God has called you to be a light. So when you go into that school this morning, I want you to shine brightly for Jesus Christ. Take those moments to share with your kids. We're to show them who God is and how to have that personal relationship. And then transmit truth practically. When I say my kids don't need a pastor, the last thing they need is to feel like every time dad's coming on, we're learning Bible doctrine and eschatology and all. Uh, no, that's not what they need. They need a dad who's going to live out the word of God in, in the home and lead them to have a personal relationship. So transmit truth practically. In verses 8 and 9, he says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be frontless before your eyes. You will write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Many of the Jews took that literally, and they were actually writing things on their doors. And, but what Christ is not saying that 
You have to have everywhere you walk in your house, there's like obnoxiousness uh, of Bible verses. No, we have Bible verses on the walls of our house, but folks, we're not, you know, writing it, tattooing it on their foreheads. So when they look in the mirror, God loves me. I mean, they're not obnoxious about it, but what he's saying is, as you go throughout life, you're constantly affirming and teaching them how to trust in God, symbolizing who God is and understanding that God has a purpose. Samuel Taylor Coolidge once had a dinner guest who was an atheist, and during the meal, his guest expounded the virtues of freedom of choice and how religion prevented people from being truly free. He said he was especially upset with how parents trained their children in the faith and claiming kids should be free to believe what they want without any outside influence from their parents. After dinner, Coolidge got up and asked his friend to come outside to take a look at his garden. Coolidge was known as an expert gardener, so his guest was expecting to see beautiful flowers, sculpted shrubbery, and flowering plants. Instead, he saw weeds everywhere, out-of-control vines, and complete disarray. Everything was overgrown. The atheist looked puzzled and said, this is your garden? What happened? Coolidge responded, he says, I took your advice. I wouldn't want to impose myself on these young vines, so I let them grow how they wanted to. I've told you before, I, I love to, my, my, my front lawn, I like to, you know, cut it at a diagonal, and I'll come back sometimes the next week and do it the opposite way to get that checkerboard look on it. And I, I like the flowers to be blooming and, and, and planted, and I, I'm, I'm OCD in that, in that area. But folks, the reality is nothing happens if we just leave it to chance. Nothing good happens. A yard that's left to, to just do for a fin for itself is going to be a complete utter wasteland. You can have a parade home in October, and by March, it looks like an abandoned house that's been foreclosed on. The reality is, is we don't raise kids for Jesus Christ to follow him by taking a hands-off approach and saying, I'm just going to let them figure it out on their own. You wouldn't do that when they're sick. You wouldn't do that with their education. Why in heaven's name would we do that with their faith? It's something that will lead to their eternal destiny and where they'll spend all of eternity. Parents, what kind of garden are we growing in our families? What are we doing and in investing in their relationship? We're preparing them to launch. Verses 10 through 12 gives a, the, the passing of the baton to the next generation and what that looks like for the following people is the promised land is they're getting ready to enter. God knows the things that will sap the spiritual vitality in their lives and they'll lose a sense of trust in people. So the hands off must be, uh, must be a smooth relay as we're passing the baton to our kids. And I'll be honest, even as a, as a pastor and as a father, it scares me to death. But you know why? Because there's a part of myself that feels like, man, what did we do wrong? What did we not say? What conversations have we not had? What did we not do? And, and you're praying and trusting God to, 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 to complete it. But you know what? Ultimately, verse 12 of this text says, Then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God wants us to be careful 
as we grow through life, that we don't forget the things that God has taught us. We don't forget where we've come from, the trials, the, tri the tribulations, the problems, the struggles, the, the times that we learn to trust in God. He says, be careful because life can become successful and you can forget where God has brought you from. Say, Pastor, what's the application? I'm going to lay in the plane this morning. Did you notice that God wants them to remember what they used to be? You were once a slave in Egypt. He says, don't forget that. Don't let your kids forget where God has brought you from. That's why it's so important to teach our faith to our kids. God brought them out of bondage. We need to remember we were at one time slaves to sin, folks. God has separated us. And we were separated from God and he, and he, he saved us and redeemed us and, and brought us, set us on the rock of Christ Jesus. We need to, when we start to forget, we're in danger of losing our edge spiritually. At the end of the book, Moses gave this final message in Deuteronomy chapter 32. He says, take to heart all the words for which I'm warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of the law. For it's no empty word for you, but your very, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. He says, don't forget. You know what happens often in life, and I've, I've seen it, and as a student pastor for many years, I've watched families who've come through church, and they're faithful, and, and they, they teach their kids, and then their kids graduate, and they go on off to college, and what does mom and dad do? They just start slowly forgetting where they've been. They forget the things that they've been teaching their kids, and they kind of, you know what? Church, I could take it or leave it. I've heard people say to my face, Pastor, I realized that we were doing it more just for our kids. Help us. Our kids see through that. It's a facade, folks. I like to, our family likes to travel to Disney World. and You walk down Main Street, USA, there is such a feeling of excitement. Of, but if you ever take a peek around the backside of Main Street, USA, it's all a facade. It's all a movie set. It's all built for a certain look but there's not anything real to it. I hate to blow that our kids are out of the room this morning. I hate to mess up their whole, you know, thought on life about Disney World. But the reality is, folks, if mom and dad, if we're just doing it for our kids and it's not real and genuine, we're not learning, we're not living it, we're not loving God, we're not leading, we're not preparing to launch them, folks, we are failing. And folks, they will see through it and one day they'll look back and say, Mom and Dad didn't truly believe in God. That was a Sunday morning act. Mom and Dad went to church just because we had to sign a, a paper for them to go to school at Wake Christian Academy. I love Wake Christian. But folks, they are not the be-all, end-all. Hilltop's not the be-all. Grace is not the be-all, end-all. Folks, it's our jobs as moms and dads to lead our kids to have a right relationship with God. Let's do it with conviction with authority. 
and with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And folks, parents, I'm praying that gospel-centered parenting would transform us. We would see the, the responsibility that we have to prepare our kids to launch out into this world as a beacon of hope and light, not forgetting where we've come, but leading others to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning, I believe that I know in my own heart what you're doing and how you're working and God, the sense of, of awe and, and, and awesome responsibility that you've given me as a father and as a dad. God, I pray that you would help each one of us as parents, as grandparents, Lord, to remain faithful, not to lose sight and not to forget where we've come from, not to forget where you brought us. And God, what you want to accomplish, Lord, we have such a responsibility to pass that faith baton on to our kids. Lord, help us to begin growing and learning ourselves and living it out. Help us to model what it means to love God with all our heart, soul, and might. God, help us to, to lead our kids in this relationship, to take the opportunities each and every day, even as hectic as life can get, to have conversations, to pray with them, to encourage them, to teach them how to trust God, to teach them how to have a relationship, and it's not a religion, God, but how to have a personal relationship. And God, as we prepare them to launch out into this world, God, help us to do so with confidence, knowing your Holy Spirit is going to lead them every step of the way. Lord, do a mighty work in our hearts. Encourage us in the role of parenting. God, for those whose kids are, are, on, are struggling right now, God, I pray you would give them comfort. And God, you would strengthen them. Help them not to give up. Help them not to forget how far we've come. And Lord, help us to remain vigilant in our prayers that you would ultimately bring and restore their heart back home. God, we love you. We trust you. We praise you for what you're going to accomplish. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's stand to our feet. We sing our final song.